walking with Jesus, serving with love, sharing with courage. Welcome to the PCOM Podcast. Hey everybody, Dan here for the third Tuesday of the month. As always, if, if we haven't met, please come say hi. I'm the, the bearded church historian that gets to serve in a number of ways here at PCOM. I, I was actually just thinking about this. I was thinking about my father-in-law, that's Beth Ann's dad, who was a successful singer in Los Angeles, a session singer. And if you don't know what that is, that is the best of the best voices. And they can be given music to read and, and they go. And so he's sung on movies and TV shows. He is an alum of USC, hence my family's connection to the school as fans. Apologies to the UCLA people. It's something we got to work out. But uh, he had kind of a strange job, just kind of singing on big shows and movies from time to time. He worked different hours and on account of that was able to spend time serving the church in, in various capacities. He was a worship leader for a long time. He actually has written a number of songs. One of them, Think About His Love, uh, has been sung in our sanctuary service. I bring him up because I found myself in a similar position. I have a very peculiar job. I am the writer and the host of the Christian History Almanac with 1517. It's a podcast. I work from home. I, I read all the time. I, I always say it's the strangest job that it didn't even exist when I was in grad school. There were, were no uh, podcasts. But doing it allows me the, the freedom and the time for my family, of course, but for my church family as well. And so I get to serve as kind of a, a fill-in uh, at church when uh, the pastors need a, a backup for, for preaching or teaching. I can, I can jump in. I was a fill-in uh, speaker at uh, Ride last year when the speaker... Uh, became ill, and so uh, we uh, we all pitched in and got that done. And of course, with Roots to Fruits, that's something I'm just very, very stoked about on the Spiritual Formation Committee and been working through the idea with, with all of them and with Pastor Daryl, and I'm going to be doing some teaching next year, this coming year. So it will be a, a six-week uh, series on the Apostles' Creed. I think that's the, the clearest and cleanest confession of faith that, that unites the whole church. It's a really old confession, and when we understand it and tie it to biblical passages, it really is a unifier, right? It can unite USC and UCLA fans, even, and uh, maybe even Dodger fans, but that's a, that's a sore subject right now with the Shohei Otani ditching the angels. So, well... It's almost Christmas. It's Advent. It's Advent, miss. There are some that want a strict separation of the seasons. It's kind of nice in the, the Presbyterian tradition. The church calendar has not always been used. And I, I've said before, I like the way we use it at PCOM, kind of with an open hand, right? We can use it. We can play with it. We aren't bound to it, but it can help us keep connected, not only to the universal church and those churches that use the church calendar, but to a rhythm of the year, to a 
preparation for Easter and then a time for the church year and then a time for preparing for Christmas, and that's Advent. And Courtney mentioned in both her podcast and her Advent class that Advent is about waiting and receiving. And these are are two really hard things. I want to reflect just briefly on that receiving part. Pastor Courtney mentioned that this is hard for us to do. Right? We want to do. We want to give. And that had me reflecting on what we call the thing we do on Sundays. Now, in the Catholic Church, where the Church of the Reformation came out of, what was it called? It was called the Mass. Now, I may have mentioned this before, but where, where does that come from? Well, it comes from the final words of the service that used to be spoken in Latin, Ita Misa Est. That just means, go, it's the dismissal. And so the whole service became the name for the thing you hear at the end. And so if you didn't know Latin, you would just wait to hear that magical word, and that meant you could go. And, and just, so I'm going to shoehorn this in real quick. One more similar story is Hocus Pocus, you know, the magical incantation. Some believe it comes from people not knowing Latin, and during the blessing of the elements for communion, the priest would have his back turned, he'd be behind a screen, and he would say, Hocus Corpus Meum, Hocus Corpus Meum, Hocus Pocus. And so it was associated with, with magic, something happening to the materials at the altar for the Lord's Supper. So uh, back to Mass. We don't call it a Mass, so what do we call it? I think worship is a fine word, right? We use that from time to time. I think it's certainly what we're doing. And sometimes we refer to it as a service. And that has some interesting history. At the Reformation, in the German lands where it all started, they wanted a new name for what happened on Sunday, not to use Latin, not to use Mass. And so these Germans were calling it Gottesdienst. They go to Gottesdienst, and that is God's service. It is worship, but it is God serving us. I, I love that. We, we are met. We are refreshed. We are served. We are reminded who we are. So, just as Advent is a time of being served, so is every Sunday the Gottesdienst, God's service. Now, over on my program, The Christian History Almanac, we have a, a, a real Christmas bonanza, something I've been doing for the past couple years on the show. Every weekend edition is a, a extended reflection on stories and hymns all relating to Advent and to Christmas. And, and one of my favorite things to do, and I've done it on this show too, is to talk about hymns or spiritual songs in general. When I came to faith in my, my teens, my late teens, I was not a good reader. I didn't read very much at all. I was, uh, you know, I was a high schooler. I was a, I was a little lazy. And, uh, you know, I, I picked up the reading for college and then, then grad school, and now that's all I do. But at the time, really how I was catechized or instructed in the faith was by hymns. My youth pastor at Irvine Presbyterian Church would always have us sing hymns that he would 
sing with the guitar. And so I was, that's when I came to faith, it was those words that I repeated that taught me the faith. And so I always go back to things like rock of ages. That's how I understood the gospel or amazing grace. And then those Christmas songs that I, I already knew, right? <laughs> now they had so much more meaning because we're singing about peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. I, I really dig that we do this at, at PCOM. I, I also really like it that we don't have a traditional and contemporary service because if you've been, right, both do both between Jeff and Kathy, we get a, a real rich worship. I loved the service on December the 3rd. If you were there, you saw my son, Court. He got up and, and said his part of his confession that he wrote out and was confirmed in the faith, and we were so, so happy. But I, I will tell you that Court's uh, godmother came, and uh, godfather was was ill, and so she just came, and they are a, a beloved family, and she's like a mom to me. So I kind of had those nerves that you get, maybe, if like your parents or, or loved ones are coming to your church when they normally go to another church, right? <laughs> There's just this like... I hope she likes it, or maybe hope she doesn't say anything bad. And what she took away was, wow, you have great music. And and we do. And it's not just the music, but it's the how how Kathy and Jeff put together the flow of the service, right? Really setting the table for the pastors to then bring us the word. All this to say, I love church music. I love what we're doing, I missed last Sunday, which uh, really bummed me out. The great Van Voris illness of 2023 has been sweeping through our house. It uh, has knocked us all out to some extent, but I think we're almost out of the woods. But the Sunday prior to this Sunday, if I remember correctly, because I was helping with communion, we had let all mortal flesh keep silence and of the Father's love begotten to of my absolute favorite Advent hymns, so rich, so ancient. As far as let all mortal flesh, um, it was perfect because it was Communion Sunday, and that is a, a communion hymn. And if just, get this, if you listen to today's Christian History Almanac, wherever you get your almanac, your almanacs, your podcasts, um, I, I do a whole reflection on the history of let all mortal flesh keep silence. And so what about that other great Advent hymn? Let's reflect a bit on that. Of the Father's love begotten. One of the things I love about these hymns is how old they are. Both of these hymns come from the fourth century, right? The 300s, that is old. Most hymns aren't that old, but these are. And so when we sing them, even in English or even with a modern tune, we are connected to that ancient church saying the same words. And then those same hymns, because they belong to the, the universal church, are sung across traditions. So, of the Father's love begotten, kind of a chanty song. It comes from a Latin poet who lived in Spain in the 4th century named Aurelius Prudentius. He is um, 
one of the, the great poets of the early church. He has a famous collection of 12 poems that were used, 12 cycle poems, so quite, quite large. And six were to be done during the hours of the day, and then six for special occasions. And that's where we get of the Father's love begotten. Now, as I mentioned, most hymns we sing, even the, the really old ones, come from the 18th and 19th century. And trust me, as a, a historian, 18th and 19th century, that's, that's what we call modern history still, right? Sometimes we get the ancient texts, but even the old church music is pretty new. Amazing Grace, etc. So while this text goes back to the 4th century, our translation and tune come from the 19th century. And if you were to, to take out a, a hymnal and leaf through it, maybe go to the index, see the names of authors, there are a couple authors that have uh, more numbers after their names than anyone else, right? So they've, they've written more um, of, of the hymns, and oftentimes they're translators. Uh, Catherine Winkworth is a, a great translator of a lot of, of, she traveled to Germany and was like, these are great hymns. How come we don't have them in English? And so she put them in English. And then there was another guy named John Neal, N-E-A-L-E. -E. He lived in the 1800s. He wanted to be a pastor, but he was too sick. He couldn't go through with all the education and the, the labor of serving a church. He ended up as a, a warden of a home for old men, sort of like an old folks home. And then he expanded that to take in orphans and, and widows. And in his spare time, he translated hymns into English. Many of them old Greek and Latin texts. I have, by my count here, 419 hymns by John Mason Neal, most of them translations. And, and what's fascinating is he took no financial interest in these translations, right? The 19th century is when the, the first ideas of copyright and, and who owns what content. And Neal, who was no rich man himself, said, I, I'm not going to take any money for these. These belong to the church. And so they've always been in public domain. I, I think it's really helpful to remember and recognize translators of poetry and hymns because that in itself is doing poetry in and of itself. As someone who's worked in, in German and Latin, I, uh, I don't have to make those rhyme or even poetic. I just have to translate enough so that I can get the idea enough so I can work with it in English. So here's two. John Mason Neal and this text that he went back to Prudentius of the Father's Love Begotten and put it in English. If you don't mind, I'm just going to read the stanzas because I think they are beautiful poetry and great to reflect on and then a little reflection on that. Of the Father's Love Begotten, ere the worlds began to be, he is Alpha and Omega. He the source, the ending, he. Of the things that are, that have been, and that future years shall see, evermore and evermore. O oh, that birth forever blessed, when a virgin full of grace, by the Holy Ghost conceiving, bore the Savior of our race. And the babe, the world's redeemer, first revealed his sacred face evermore and evermore.
This is he whom heaven-taught singers sang of old with one accord, whom the scriptures of the prophets promised in their faithful word. Now he shines the long-expected. Let creation praise its Lord. Evermore and evermore, O ye heights of heaven, adore him, angel hosts his praises sing. Powers, dominions, bow before him, and extol our God and King. Let no tongue on earth be silent, every voice in concert ring, evermore and evermore. Christ to thee, with God the Father, and O Holy Ghost to thee, hymn and chant and high thanksgiving and unwearied praises be, honor, glory, and dominion, and eternal victory, evermore and evermore. One thing that sticks out to me in this is the, the notion of the kingship of Christ, right? Because kings aren't things that we have anymore. We fought a, a whole war just to get away from, from a king, but most of human history understands what a king is and does and the kind of pomp and circumstance required. Uh, two summers ago, my family, we were in London. We went to the Tower of London and we saw the uh, the you know the royal regalia, the jewels, all that stuff, and just how they treat it all, and how how royalty is treated, and we are doing taking all of that and singing it to a baby. It really is the the miracle of the incarnation and the wonder of the season. Now, let me take that first stanza of the Father's love begotten heir, heir. So before the world even was began to be. He is Alpha and Omega, he the source and ending he. So if you know, Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last. So it's like saying he's, he's the A to Z. And I mentioned this was written in the 300s. This is the first century that Christianity was legal, right? During the time of the first big church services and you could sing out loud and not fear persecution. And this was the time of the great church councils. And these church councils were primarily concerned with one big question. Who is Jesus? I find myself repeating this often, so often, because it, it's the answer to so many questions. But the, the $54,000 question is Jesus asking his disciples, who do you say that I am? We can't go anywhere until we get that question right. Now, you might know on the Almanac, I get thoughtful questions from all around the world, but one of the more often read is a uh, pseudonymous figure from Mission Viejo that just happens to go to PCOM. I'll, I'll keep him pseudonymous and, and uh, let you guess who he is. But he asked me in person and in an email, why does it matter that we get it right about Jesus's nature? And he was talking about a, a Bible study he was in, and people were sort of wondering, okay, why do we have to get this right? And some people say that, you know, Jesus was made God at baptism, or he's, he's sort of half and half. Now, this man knows that the answer is fully God and fully man, but why does this matter so much? And how does it affect what we do? And I loved that question from him, because it comes down to how we worship. We worship Jesus, the King, the God incarnate, 
who not only came at Christmas, first advent, is coming again at the end of the age, second advent, but was present at creation of the Father's love begotten ere the worlds began to be. There was never a time when he was not. Without picking on others, other, other churches or traditions, I, I can't abide anything that makes Jesus less than fully divine. Not a special prophet or divinely inspired teacher. We can't miss Jesus as God. What made the church leaders in his day the angriest? It's when he took the divine name. When he took that, that, that thing that we translate as Yahweh and isn't spoken by Jewish people, right? Jesus, it's in uh, John 8. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Before Abraham was, Yahweh. I am Yahweh. Later in John 14, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that would be enough for us. Isn't that a great... Just show us God. Give us that one thing, and then we'll, we'll follow you. And Jesus says, Have I been with you so long, and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is God. Jesus, the, the baby king, the tiny babe in the manger, is the creator of it all. It's not just a sweet baby that we can ooh and ah over as it, as it coos, but straight divinity. And you know I love to bang on about how big the church is, and how there are different denominations and interpretations and traditions, but this is where the rubber hits the road. Jesus is God. Anything less, and he's not worthy of worship. Not only that, then he's got nothing to give us. We can't receive anything from him or at least what he promised to give us. Which, of course, includes the very important promise of the Holy Spirit, also God. If the metaphysics of the Trinity is difficult, and it sure can be, stick with the lyrics. Jesus is the one begotten of the Father's love, who is, ere the worlds began to be, before the world began to be, the Alpha and Omega, the source and ending He. So as you sing and you listen to carols, consider how the authors paint Jesus. Not just the babe in the manger, but very God of very God. This informs our worship, how we pray, and how we see the universal church throughout time and space. That is it for me. I, I should take note briefly that uh, as the commissioner of the first annual PCOM Fantasy Football League, the playoffs have officially started of 12 teams. Four of them have made the playoffs. A shout out to the Carbasians. That is the team called Lightning Strikes because they're Charger fans. Uh, and then the Cookie Monsters. That's Shane Cook and Son. Then one called Pastor Pigskin. That's right. That's Daryl. Pastor Daryl's in the playoffs. And the final team to make it was the VV Ramily. Oh, that's right. That's me and my boys. I'm currently playing Daryl and he might win, but I just need to make note. Uh, here, my second, third, fourth, and fifth round picks all went on the IR. So listen, just playing with house money here. Happy to be there. All right. 
if you have a question, come uh, come say hi on a on a Sunday. First service, Roots to Fruits, is where I go, and then second service in the commons for the awake service. I will see you this coming Sunday. Make sure you check your bulletins because, you know, church times are all over the place, but uh, we've got a number of services on Sunday to celebrate Christmas Eve. So with that, have a great day and a week, and I'll see you later. Peace.